and welcome to another episode of the Science of the Southland Recap Show. Um, as always, my name is Akshay Ishwaran, and today I'm joined by a man who knows nothing other than data analysis uh, about random swim statistics, apparently, Mr. Jake Grant. How are you doing today, sir? Fine, thanks. Uh, how about you? You know, doing doing good. A little, a little tired. You know, we're we're outside of our usual recording time. Uh, recording this at Sunday at nine p.m. Uh, but you know, we we truck on for the sake of Georgia Tech sports, don't we? It's kind of familiar to be back at nine p.m. Honestly, like the ah uh, yes, the days of yore when we recorded at nine p.m. on like Monday nights. Oh yeah, super convenient. That's that was the aim. Super convenient. Su- super convenient and not um not particularly snoozy at all. No, not at all. Not at all. But today we're gonna we're gonna keep up the tempo. Um, I'm actually gonna put us on a timer uh, to borrow a uh, tradition from PAPN slash Splitstone Duo. So, forty five minutes on the clock. Let's see. Talk about some Georgia Tech sports news, shall we? Yes, sir. All right, and here we go. All right, so first on the docket today, non-ref sports. Uh, National Signing Day was last Wednesday. Um, baseball signed a pretty good class. Uh, it looks like all of the um, all the actual rankings were behind paywalls so i couldn't actually go look at the numbers um but from all accounts uh, in the writers room it looked like you know baseball is doing some pretty good things and just kind of have to hope that none of them get poached by the pros what do you think yeah um my only comment is i think now that we, we had a guy flip to uh oklahoma but now that he's gone there's only one that they say may go pro, but uh, I'm hopeful that we can get them all in class. As is tradition. Uh, ever so hopeful as always. I uh, I also hope, but I also know much less about, you know, the non-rev sports world than, than you do. So I will defer to your expertise. Uh, next on the docket and the more interesting one um, of the ones that we'll talk about today uh softball put together the 17th ranked class in the nation i forgot what outlet that was from uh but that's what ramblingrec.com is telling us so uh jake got any more insight on that one for us yeah um two of the ones that stood out on actual national signing day um they got uh an outfielder from tennessee and i believe a 2022 commit we talked about them um but just top to bottom I think probably the biggest addition we're going to see is some quality pitching. Uh, I really liked um, the pitching in last year's recruiting class. And hopefully if, uh, if uh, coach Morales and staff can go and pick up some good, uh, good arms, that's definitely been, I think the lagging part of the, the, I guess, rebuild of the softball program has been, you know, getting some, some aces out on the bump, but, uh, but no, I think it's uh, definitely something that we can at least hope for because you know they they picked up they picked up a couple transfers and they picked up a couple recruits that definitely seem to bring themselves up there. I'm not too concerned about the hitting. Eileen and the staff have really developed the heck out of 
out of the people they've signed and, and some of the people they haven't. So, yeah, I, I think as long as they can keep some steady, consistent uh, bats coming in, if they can bring the pitching up a notch or two, then that'll really, really lift the tide. Yeah, and I think this is something that we talked about throughout the, I want to say it was the 2019 season. Um, the recurring theme was that Tech would put a bunch of runs on the board and then its pitching staff would just not be able to hold that lead in the immediately ensuing inning. Like I remember very specifically a game versus Pittsburgh where <laughs> Pittsburgh opened up like a nine run lead and then Tech hung like 12 more runs and then Pittsburgh added three more. And it was just, it was like watching a big 12 football game unfold on a softball diamond. And it was all very strange. So uh, I mean, the infield and outfield defense uh, for Georgia Tech are usually very good. Um, uh, last year's catching rotation was also very good. Uh, while we, what, what, from what we could see while the season was still being played, um, it's really the the key point is on the mound. Um, and if they can figure that out, it's probably an instant couple of you know, jump spots in the uh, ACC finish right there. Yeah, I think um, just to have, uh, I guess, the opposite of a big crooked number, a low, a low looking number on this. A low uh, round number, preferably. Yeah, uh, a low round number on the recruiting rankings. If you're getting a top 25, especially love ACC softball. I cover it. It's one of my favorite things to watch as part of this job. But Outside of Florida State, there are really so many opportunities, you know. And, and and to be fair, now that there's more, like, I guess, cooks in the kitchen, you know, Duke out of their program two years ago. Clemson. Clemson their program last year. But, like, there's, there's so much opportunity for Georgia Tech to be, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice if they could knock Florida State off their perch. But, but you got Louisville, who's a strong program. You got Florida State, who's an excellent program. But other than that, it's really a, a great place. And it's the same thing we see in volleyball, right? Georgia Tech is taking advantage of a giant question mark after noted conference power Pittsburgh. And obviously that looks a little bit different this year. But um, I think and, – and part of the reason that looks different is because Georgia Tech volleyball stuck that. Wow. English. Words. Stepped up. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm excited. You can tell. Um, oh, yes. But, yeah, no. Um, Georgia Tech, they've got – you know, they've got talent coming in the door and yeah, we won't see these girls until, you know, next fall. But uh, I think that makes uh, for an exciting build. And, you know, Stansbury, especially in a pandemic, is going to give Morales and the staff as much of a leash as he can, you know, and to see them be able to recruit local for the most part, uh, re recruit local talent that's well regarded and keep it home. I really can't ask for anything else, right? Yeah, I'm not complaining. Yeah. I I I yeah, I, I I don't have anything else that you haven't said on this one. Um let's move on. Uh volleyball picked up four commits. Uh I think a couple of them were international. I saw one from Argentina, I believe. Um but yeah, that's that's all I got. You're you're the non rev guy. Tell me the things. Yeah, um, Argentina was going to be my segue into, meanwhile, <laughs> volleyball's not recruiting close to home. Um, 
you know, obviously going down and picking up another South American prospect. Uh, I think this is a, an example where this staff can really, really shine. Um, they've shown that they can go down there before and pick out treasures. I'm, I'm not the best at evaluating, you know, women's volleyball, foreign talent, because I'm, I don't know. I don't, I'm not that good at doing know, that's, high school. That's not on the, uh, but, um, it's not on the Xfinity cable package. I'll say that much. Exactly. Like at least maybe every once in a while you're going to get a high school football game on. But, um, but no, I think, um, we've seen in the past that whether it's keeping kids local, which I don't, I actually don't think there's any in this class that are from Georgia. Nope. There's not. There were a couple um, in the last one. I know there were a couple in the last yeah. one that were from the Metro, but I think this one is mostly picking from South America and, other parts of the country but yeah no the they went down to florida picked up a top 150 player that's excellent uh they've done that before um i don't know if maddie mckissick was in the top 50 which he was recruited but you know a great great pickup out of florida obviously uh you know michelle collier's backyard is brazil and she does a fantastic job there and uh, they picked up some engineers so uh i definitely uh as an engineer i love to see when georgia tech uh is able to grab some talent in the classroom too. So, okay, uh, yeah. Again, you're the non-rev guy, so I'm gonna I'm gonna trust your trust your word on this one. Uh, we'll get to swim in a moment because we do have one other sport that I want to touch on before we get into our whole uh, planned shebang for swim. Uh, but women's volleyball picked up two recruits. Um, Basketball and. Yeah, women's basketball. Wow. Uh, still got volleyball on the brain, it seems. Uh, women's basketball picked up two recruits this cycle. Um, it's important to note, I think the only major loss from last year's team, well, I guess there's two. Um, they lost Pon and then another player transferred out. Uh, but especially with that extra year of eligibility, they've been able to keep most of last year's core together. Uh, so it's yep. going to be an interesting year, I think. Um, and in terms of the two players they did grab, again, we have seen Georgia Tech see some success going over across the pond. We got uh, Lodemai Lotnin, Francesca Pond, uh, Nara Hamosa. Uh, well, I guess Pond graduated, like we said. But um, they picked up a girl from uh, Latvia, Elisabete uh, Bulani. I hope that's how you say that. I don't speak Latvian. Um, and then a top 100 uh, prospect out of uh, Tennessee. So I think that they're doing what Georgia Tech women's basketball has uh, has done very well in the past. So I think that's definitely a good thing to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one more point on this season uh, for women's basketball, and now I can't remember it. Okay, we'll, I got another, we'll, we'll come back uh, to it. I got another one. Um, Go and the uh, – Latvian national team experience. I think that's something that helped uh, Francesca Pond playing for Italy. Uh, and I, I mean, oh, and I think yes. it helped Odebay playing for Finland. So I, I think the fact that they're getting girls who are playing some pretty high level basketball against some of the best teams on the planet is definitely a good sign. Yeah, that's actually what I wanted to bring up. We we did have uh, Lodemai Lottinen um, head over to play Eurobasket qualifiers. Um, if you're not uh, aware, like I was unaware a couple of days ago, um, Eurobasket is effectively the basketball equivalent of the uh, European soccer championships. 
um, or euros as they are colloquially referred to. Um, so uh, qualifiers for, or the qualifying window for those was this past weekend slash past week. Um, so it was, it was good to see that. I, I saw that Lodemai got a lot of, t I think she started for Finland um, and actually put up a really, really good stat line. I don't remember it off the top of my head. Um, obviously by bad podcasting form here for not having that stat readily available. Uh, but it was good. Uh, I don't remember if Pan made Italy's team uh, and how they were looking at qualifying. Um, but I'm sure they're doing fine. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I think that's all I've got on women's basketball. But, I mean, after year one under Nell Fortner coming in off what was one of the strangest transitions I've ever seen, I think I've uh, – Nell Fortner, again, another one of those coaches. I, I trust her to recruit. I trust her. I trust her to coach. Um, I I don't know. I I like Nell Nell's brand of basketball. I'm really glad that we do, have. Do you trust her to make good choices with her uh, shoe game? Because she's that's been all the rage on social media the last couple of days. Hey, whatever can get our non-rev uh, sports coaches or like an Eric Reveno from the the bench and the basketball team into the limelight, I will take it, man. Okay. I yeah. I'm I'm not going to complain. Uh, speaking of other things that we are not going to complain about, Mr. Grant, do you want to uh, lead us into some swim talk? Yeah, um, seeing as that is my local specialty, um, we have some recruiting rankings to talk, but also Akshay and I have an exciting announcement. Um, talking about recruiting first, uh, I don't know what's in the water in Turkey, but whatever it is, it's full of Georgia Tech swimmers. Uh, so. That is definitely a good thing to see. Um, Georgia Tech went over and picked up a top 20 uh, recruit from Turkey on the men's side and the top 40 on the women's side. That definitely leads their recruiting classes, which um, Akshay and I have been tinkering with a recruiting power ranking tool for uh, swimming. And uh, we have a inaugural top 25 uh, featuring the 2021 class. In this class, um, we ranked 25 teams, and Georgia Tech came in 14th. Um, we did it based on what's an easy way to describe this weighted average of relative uh, strength of finish times, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, you know, I'll take your word for it because you were the you were the point person on this half of the rankings here. Okay, fair enough. Um, but basically, what it does is it allows a cleaner comparison between swimmers that may be more focused in one event uh, than the other, which traditionally has not offered a good comparison and overall strength. But yeah, um, conference power, NC State uh, is at the top of our men's rankings. Virginia is also in the top five. Uh, those are scary. Uh, but Georgia Tech features third at 14th in the men's top 25. Um, and then on the women's side, we, uh, we have uh, Georgia Tech, in what did I say, twentieth place. Twentieth place. Yes, sir. And uh, at the top of the list, well, I guess second is uh, Virginia. So got to look out for them. But uh, definitely good to be in the mix up there with you know the Notre Dames and Florida States and, um, and uh, what you call North Carolinas of uh, of the rest of the conference. So I think 
as it's a little more crowded on the women's side, but Georgia Tech has definitely been looking to take that next step in the conference for a long, long time, and uh, getting good uh, getting good talent in the door is the way you start, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of getting good talent in the door and then doing something with it, uh, the other half of these rankings are the actual performance power rankings, uh, which was my specialty. Uh, taking the um, the top 100 times for every single meet or, or every single event in the nation um, at the D1 level and then making a power ranking out of that. Uh, the men uh, placed 18th out of 67 active men's teams uh, in our inaugural CAP rankings. Yes, we made a backronym, so it is absolutely legit. Uh, and then the women placed 24th out of 66 active teams. So um, obviously those are, you know, I think higher than both Jake and I expected. Um, kind of comes with the caveat that I think this is about a fifth of what D1 swim usually looks like um, on both the men's and the women's sides. So, I mean, it's good. Like, you can't see this, um, but I'm doing a thumbs up. Podcasting is a visual medium. Um, it, it's good, but obviously, you know, caveats and all that stuff with COVID. Anything to anything to add there to clarify our new or to clarify the cap, Mr. Grant? Um, not. Nah, I I think that's a good way to put it. Um, definitely been interesting with the database of times we've been able to pull, but. We look forward to, uh, you know, being able to say that we've got some uh, advanced swimming analytics because that's, I don't think that's a phrase that's ever been uttered before ever in the history of ever. So, uh, so yeah, something, something proprietary to, uh, from the rumble seat. Oh boy. Um, it, it is also important to mention that there is, there are some other, uh, metrics out there especially for recruiting rankings and swimming uh swim cloud had a great power index resource uh for those um which was which is also interesting to see uh so you know got a lot of smell testing to do especially in a normal year uh but you know math is fun data analysis is fun yeah, we do. We do like math. You know, that, that's kind of why we're here. But um, also, I noticed that uh, I had a misspelling in Florida International. So uh, when I noticed that they were 12th in my rankings, I went and, uh, you know, made sure their name was spelled right. And uh, Georgia Tech women moved up a spot. So uh, I guess that's progress. All right. So let me just update that in the spreadsheet here. 19th. That is yep. 219th. I meant to type 19th. All right. Uh, is that about closer to my past uh, opinions of the team? But uh, no, they're doing a great oof. job. So, oof, oof. <laughs> All right, just to round out the non-rev news cycle, uh, Andy Ogletree uh, finished as the low M at the Masters this weekend. Uh, if you're not familiar with what that means, just like I was a couple of days ago, um, he finished as the or with the lowest score out of all the. Uh, amateur golfers in the field. So congrats to him. Uh, and we will look forward to his, uh, I guess his successor as a winner of the U.S. Amateur Open, uh, Ty Strafasi, uh playing at the Masters next April. 
So, uh, you know what this means? It means that the pressure is all on Noah Norton or, uh, or one of the Snyder Jam brothers to, uh, to take up their end for next year. <laughs> to, take, to take up their end and win the, uh, the 2021 amateur? Yeah. I think it's also, on the team. Yeah. Also, yeah. side note. It's amateur, not amateur. And Jim Nance, when he's uh, calling golf, always says amateur. And it like this is one I love Jim Nance, but this is the one thing where I'm I'm certain he is wrong. <laughs> I uh, I was waiting for a uh, college basketball game to break out in the middle of the 16th fairway. You know, waiting to uh, waiting to hear Jim Nance give some kid his tie. <laughs> Uh, you know, always got next year for that one. I'm uh, definitely a little disappointed that we did not get that moment this year. Synergy. Um, synergy. Brand synergy. Speaking of things that we didn't, or I guess we are getting this year, uh, we did get, we do have a, a women's basketball schedule, and we'll talk about the men's basketball schedule a little later. Uh, on the non-conference schedule, doing a little scrolly scroll here, uh, Georgia State, uh, Athens, Tulane, and Central Florida will all be visiting McCamish. Uh, and then on the conference schedule side, if I can do a little scrolly scroll, uh, let's see here. Boston College, N uh, Notre Dame, Miami, uh, NC State, Clemson, a lot of the usual characters. That conference schedule does not look super different from how it usually does. Um, but, you know, actually kind of surprised about that. Uh, considering there's gestures one, widely at COVID. There's one really weird thing I noticed, and that's on the schedule that Georgia Tech Athletics released on their website. You know, they have the built-in calendar function. Um, usually we do a home-and-home home with Notre Dame because rivalry. Um, but on the schedule this year, it was listed as Georgia Tech plays at Notre Dame twice. Which, yeah, it's also listed like that on this on this graphic in the article. Uh, we'll put this in the show notes. Um, there's uh, December 13th at Notre Dame and then January 3rd at Notre Dame. Um, I'm not sure what's up with that. You know, like, I don't know. I, I would like for a pretty decent Notre Dame team to come here instead of us going there twice. But So, let's see. It does not mention in, in like the home game section of the blurb, it does not mention Notre Dame coming home, but it does mention Notre Dame in the road game section. So I don't well, you know, we'll figure it out. It is listed even on the printed schedule, it's listed as at Notre Dame twice. Uh I assume there's a good reason for that. Um, or someone has misprinted something three or four times uh, on the same article, which is very concerning. Um, I don't know. There's not much more to say other than uh, Tech was predicted to finish fifth in the in the ACC coaches poll, which is very nice. I like that. Uh, like I think we were talking about this earlier, and we've kind of been banging this drum for uh, about a year. This is a this was supposed to be a tournament team in march and yeah. COVID kind of swept that away from them but this should you know dodd willing here should be a tournament team in 2021 yeah they got they got some talent coming in the door so uh you know um just devastating that 
Francesca Pond didn't get at least one NCAA tournament under her belt while she was here, but she definitely deserved deserved that. But you know, can't go uh, can't go back and rehash old stuff. So, womp womp. Um, all right, that kind of rounds out the non-rev coverage, and uh, looks like we're halfway through the timer here, so we'll call it halftime. Uh, time to pivot over to the men's side of the basketball. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? I have like six different things on here, but I'll oh, let you pick. We need to transition to men's basketball by the jointly uh, relevant topic of uniforms. I'm sure you have opinions. If I'm the non-rev guy, then you're the uniform guy. But uh, oh, my God. uninformed opinion is that they look kind of buns. So uh, I'd like to hear your take. They're bad. I have this written, those two words written in the document, they're bad. Um, I I looked at the navy one and it looks like a track penny. I think is how I put it. Yep. Um, the white one with the Georgia Tech on the top instead of split uh, around the number is not as good as the one from last year and the year before that were like sort of throwbacks. Um, and then the gold one is a little all over the place. Um, yeah, this seems like an unnecessary change, um, change for the sake of change. And, you know, I know how much both of us love that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I liked last year's better, but again, as always, if they win in them, Regard men and women, if either team wins in them, I am open to changing my opinion. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you on the track pennies, and I I generally like not even like relative to last year enjoyed the uniforms better. I liked our look; like <laughs> I thought it was a good like establishment by Adidas. They would throw in those retro jerseys, which I liked, and now I guess I'm just. Praying for a retro jersey, you know? <laughs> yeah, I eh, I mean, I think Tech's brand uh, on the basketball court last year was a little bit of throwback, a little bit of modern, um, a little bit of retro, right? Um, yeah. I guess retro and throwback are the same thing, but you get the point. Like, you had the, the white, the base white jerseys that looked like throwback jerseys because they didn't use the... They didn't use the modern, the edgy font. Um, then you had the gold ones that had the name split top and bottom around the numeral. And then you had the navy ones, um, which did the same thing, I think, as the, as the gold ones on the men's side. But on the women's side, they had rec on the top. Or maybe I'm mistaking that for the gold one. But anyway, it was a good mix of designs, a good mix of design elements. Um, especially between men and women, especially like sort of seeing the women get their own um, uh, jersey uh, that was very different from the men. Like that was super cool. Um, and they've done that before. Like Russell did that for, for Tech as well um, uh, with the just the rec uniforms. Uh, but these are just not good and they do not spark joy. <laughs> yeah. Um... I, I'd agree. At least nobody has to see them in person, right? Ah, good, good segue. Um, 
that being said, the guidelines for uh, Georgia Tech basketball games have been released. Um, let me do a little scrolly scroll on the uh, website here. So we do have social distancing guidelines. Um, McCain Mitchell's capacity will be reduced from 6,800 to about 1,200. Uh, and of those 1,200 seats, uh, 900 of those will be reserved for students. Um, and if, you know, students don't fill the entire 900 allotment, um, then those students will be made available to faculty and staff only. Those will not be on, uh, not be on resale. Uh, the other 300 tickets in the allotment will be for student athletes, uh, coaches, and athletic department guests. I'm not entirely sure what the guest part means. I'm also kind of not sure what the coaches part means, unless this is like a very long possessive clause. Actually, that's kind of what it looks like. So you're looking at student athlete families, you're looking at coaches families um, and no public ticket sales whatsoever. So this is all just to protect the campus bubble slash campus athletics bubble. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the deal. As, as a current student that will probably be going to these games, what are, what are your feels here on these? Yeah. Um... So I, I, on the possessive thing, I'm pretty sure that's pretty similar to how they did uh, volleyball, which was honestly 90% player guests and, and the like. So it uh, doesn't really surprise me there. I, I think it's, you know, a couple guests of the athletic department, a um, cu couple guests per, you know, player and whatnot. But as a student during a pandemic, knowing how hard it is to – keep the bubble, especially in a city like Atlanta, you know, people come and go. It's, it's a big place. Um, keeping it safe is, is really important. And when you're indoors, you kind of got to give it a little more consideration than, than 20% capacity like Bobby Dodd. Um, so I like that they're a little bit more aggressive here with the numbers. And uh, quite frankly, I think the students kind of deserve some, some preference here. There's not a lot to do. Uh, on campus as much as there would be in a normal year. And it's great to see that students get the normal allotment because uh, I think with how basketball or how football has shook it, uh, shaken out, you know, there's six home games and 800 seats per, and normally there'd be 5,000 students per game. So, you know, it's it's refreshing to see that they can meet the demand for their product. And I think there's a pent up demand for Georgia Tech sports. Yeah, agreed. And I, I think the good part about this is that you, you might actually get a lot of that allotment taken care of because both teams are on up, upward trajectories, right? Um, mm -hmm. The press release here mentions um, or, or References tech fit uh, tech men's basketball finishing over 500 in ACC play um, and fifth in the conference last year. Um, obviously, that comes with, you know, the usual set of caveats. Um, well, it comes with some caveats. It was a down year for a lot of the conference powers. Um, and we've talked about that before, but it's still an upswing. And then we already talked about how women's basketball was sort of deprived of of a tournament birth last year. So yeah, th this is good to develop that 
fanhood, that good Georgia Tech vibes sort of deal right at the, the like right at the student level. Akshay, I think one thing that's going to hurt, well, one thing that is definitely going to hurt is until winter break ends, these games are probably going to be a ghost town. Um, with Georgia Tech. That's what non-con is for. But, but like, with ending in-person instruction before Thanksgiving, I can't imagine, I mean, I'll be around because I'm doing finals for my apartment. Like, maybe there'll be people like me, but even then, I'm gone for three weeks. So there's definitely going to be a stretch of winter break where it's it might be kind of lonely in McCamish, but hopefully when we get back, that means that there will be plenty of uh, of students interested because, you know, it, teams are on the upswing and uh, and this is not not to sound blase, but this is this is what students are going to get. You know, no, uh, don't gnash your teeth about football. You got you got plenty of basketball to take advantage of. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then speaking of the non-con games that I was talking about, we have the tip times for those I'm doing a little scrolling here. So. Uh, November 25th versus Georgia State. That's at 9 p.m. That is a late tip Yeah, that's uh, on a Wednesday night. Uh, and then uh, November 27th, uh, that's a Friday versus Mercer. That's an 8 p.m. tip. Uh, and then December 6th, that's a Sunday versus Kentucky, and that'll be at State Farm Arena. Uh, and then they'll go to Nebraska for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, on December 9th. That's a Wednesday. To round out, actually, wow, there's a lot more uh, non-con games than I thought there was going to be. December 18th versus Florida A&M. That's a 7 p.m. tip. Uh, December 20th versus Delaware State. That is an interesting scheduling quirk. Um, That will be on the ACC network uh, at 6 p.m. And then I think the last one on the slate is uh, December 23rd uh, at UAB, uh, and the tip time has not been released for that one yet. Uh, and the rest of the way is conference games. Um, it's interesting that the ACC isn't starting out with a uh, like a conference game for the first game of the season like they did last year, which I kind of thought was a success. I don't know. I, I felt good about that. I, I was going to say, we... We won that game, so I definitely would see it see it as a success. Um, I think some of that has to do with scheduling and uh, mm-hmm. and type stuff. Once again, Georgia Tech's non-con never ceases to amaze me with the random schools past near confined. But that Kentucky game at State Farm Arena, I don't know what the ticket deal is on that, if it's students as well. But... Uh, that might be your average fan's only chance to catch a game. If if this is totally unfounded, Jake shooting from the hip here, but you know that's a twenty thousand seat arena. They might sell tickets, and that might be the only opportunity to catch Georgia Tech basketball live in Atlanta. This mm-hmm. uh, um, Nebraska could open their arena up, but that one's a question mark, also because it's in Nebraska, and I'm not know. entirely sure. Please yeah. don't fly yeah, to Lincoln. <laughs> don't fly to Lincoln for that one. Um, you could drive to UAB, but I'm also not sure what the situation is there. Uh, the reason that I talked about the scheduling quirk is I'm pretty sure Delaware State's mascot is the Hornets. Uh, and I am going to quickly, 
Google that and look that up because I think that, that would be pretty cool. While you do that, I'm going to vamp on the uh, a parallel that I've thought about since we started talking about softball, and I noticed that the basketball recruiting class is also ranked 17th. Um, and I think other than the high-profile whiffs on some recruits that Passner has had, and barring the fact that his first year he was you know, having his unexpected NIT run, if you looked at Passner for basketball and Morales for softball uh, with the same expectations for both, you'd be like, they're, they're the same team is what I'm trying to say. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I kind of get what you're saying. A little bit. I off think Pastor. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then, well, I was going to say, I think Pastor has, Pastor doesn't have the benefit of a week or, or of a like, one power conference in, yeah. in, in his sport. I think uh, Eileen kind of gets gets lucky there because um, because Florida State is the only like confirmed good, always nationally contending team um, in softball with Louisville sort of making some darting runs in and around there. Um, but uh, Passer has to deal with Duke and Notre Dame and UNC and Louisville and Virginia and like he can beat up on the bottom part of the conference all he wants but the top like it is it's a strong it's a very strong conference at the top um and that is sort of you know the 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 last barrier to success yeah and but the point I was going to make here is they took they both took blech teams and implemented things that worked right away Passner his defense uh Eileen her offensive strategy and are finally now kind of recruiting to that building off some success I don't know that just just the thought exercise that I thought was worth at least uh an exploration yeah no it's fair um just to round out the basketball talk uh, we talked about their recruiting class last year, and Jake also, or last week, sorry, uh, and Jake also briefly touched on it just now. Uh, they pulled in the 17th ranked class in the nation. Uh, I forgot to look at which source that's from, but that's what ramblinrec.com is reporting. Uh, they were picked to finish ninth in the ACC coaches poll, uh, and Jose Alvarado was named to the preseason all ACC second team. Um, so, again, it's things are looking up, but I think I'm still maintaining my stance that this is a contract year, like a prove it year for Passner. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say too. Okay, we are running a little low on time here, so let's rifle through the uh, around the ACC recap here. Uh, the nooner, the barn burner on Saturday. Uh, was Wake Forest 53, North Carolina 59. I'm shocked they went for two, um, but I'm also uh, not shocked that they couldn't pull off a uh, a comeback there at the end considering how they let the wheels fall off the bus. That's my one sentence. Uh, yeah, Wake Forest is, is – Wake Forest is under Dave Clawson – 
um, has been slowly building, and I really do like watching the Clawfence work. Uh, this is a game they should have had, and North Carolina did this like their usual Mac Brown 2.0 North Carolina BS, and like came back and won the game, and I hate it. Yep. <laughs> the 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 North Carolina fourth quarter monster is definitely real. Yeah. Uh let's talk about another fourth quarter monster, Justin Fuente's offensive play calling. Uh in the other nooner, this one was on ESPN, number nine, Miami twenty-five, Virginia Tech twenty-four. Yeah, I watched the end of that game. I don't know. I the quarterback play was sloppy. It was inopportune setbacks, and I'm not convinced that Justin Fuente is the right answer for Virginia Tech. Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech is not long for this world, uh, based on other more qualified and more informed CFB media. Uh, I feel like that that writing is definitely on the wall. Yeah, we can let other more... Uh, Qualified uh, and informed. Yes, people deal with that, but I, I, I would agree. Just off my. Back. All right, uh, just to go rapid fire with the last three games on the slate here, uh, the three thirty on ACC Network, Louisville seventeen, uh, UVA thirty one. Think UVA is a lot better than a lot of people have given them credit for. Yeah, uh, it, it was good to see them kind of look more like their form last year. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. The 3.30 on ABC, uh, this was the one that a lot of people looked at as a letdown spot for Notre Dame, uh, but they were able to pull out the win 45-31 to 31 over Boston College uh, in BC's Red Bandana game. Yeah, I, I, I was believing on BC here, but I guess I'm a fool, so. Yeah, Notre Dame pulled away uh, right at the end of the first half. Uh, and just kind of sat on Boston College in the second. Uh, I think Boston College had a shot early in this one and then just kind of let it slip. I think that's fair. All right, to round out the slate, the 730 game on ACC Network, Florida State 22, NC State 38. Um, I don't know, Bailey Hockman put together a really good performance after being kind of meh the last couple of weeks in relief of Devin O'Leary. Yeah. Um, I thought NC state looked about as efficient as they could on offense. And I think uh, that's kind of what they needed. So Florida state is in uh, year negative one, as I've heard it called by other podcasts. Uh, that one's, that one's going to be a rough, Rough time the next couple of years for Mike Norvell. Uh, uh, you'll notice that we haven't talked about a Georgia Tech game either in the recap uh, or, you know, at all tonight. Uh, Pittsburgh Georgia Tech, which was scheduled for last Saturday, uh, has been moved to December 12th uh, because of COVID issues at both schools. Uh, hopefully everyone, you know, stays safe, stays healthy, uh, and will actually get to see that game on um, December 12th. Uh, but speaking of games that are on the schedule before that, uh, Georgia Tech heads over to, uh, is this in Coral Gables or is it in, or is it in Miami proper? I can never actually remember where 
uh, Miami Stadium is anymore. Neither. Uh, when they played at the Orange Bowl, it was in Miami proper, but uh, Hard Rock is out in Miami Garland Gardens, which is... So it's neither. It's fantastic. Yeah. Budget- All right, so... That point. <laughs> November 21st, Saturday, uh, at number 12, Miami. Uh, this one's an 8 p.m. kick on the ACC network. Uh, we talked about Miami versus VT. Let me hit you with the odds on this game real quick. Uh, Vegas likes Miami by 17 with an over-under uh, of 66.5. Uh, SP Plus likes Miami by 16.3 uh, points. That puts Miami's win probability at around 83%. Uh, and then ESPN FPI likes Miami uh, with a win probability of about 87.3%. Uh, Jake, Grant, we have two minutes left. Give me some uh, quick hitters right here for this game. Uh, Georgia Tech has had the voodoo against Miami ever since they charged through our band's pregame show. Um, so uh, let's hope that Whatever weird luck helped us out last year uh, comes back this year, I guess. I don't know. If uh, Presley Harvin trots out as the starting quarterback, I wouldn't be that sad. Yeah, I'm not not going to be too concerned about it either. Uh, it, it is important to note that Miami's, I guess, weak link is their, um, is their offense. Uh, I think something that we've noted over the past two years is that that offensive line is Swiss cheese at times. It's just that right now they have a quarterback – that can actually scramble and get moving and make plays uh, in Dierra kick. Uh, and, and tech has definitely had trouble dealing with mobile quarterbacks this season. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how tech handles that one uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, Mr. Grant, we are probably going to have to play through the whistle here with just a minute left, but let's rattle off some picks. Shall we? Yeah, I got the sheet ready to go. Give me uh, – who's up first, Q's? All right, first up, Q's at Louisville. This is the Friday game on ESPN at 7 p.m. Uh, Q's is still bad. Give me Louisville. Same. Uh, Louisville's due. All right, the November 21st, this is the Saturday slate. Um, the nooner on ACC Network, uh, Wake Forest at Duke. Uh, give me the claw fence in this one. I will be taking Wake Forest. Yeah, same. And uh, for those of you who follow along, our uh, second Jake, uh, Jake Patterson, just tuned in with his Louisville and Wake picks as well. So it uh, seems like we're all of the same mind on the first two. Indeed. And I think we'll be three for three here. The other nooner, this one's on ABC, is number four Clemson going to Tallahassee to face Florida State. Oh, shoot. I forgot to put that on the list. Um, give me Clemson, though. Yeah, this one's a no-brainer. Uh, let's let's talk about the Tigers and not talk about the Knolls. Uh, the 4 p.m. game on ACC Network, uh, that is VT traveling to Heinz Field and facing Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know about this one. Um, I You know, gut says VT, but VT is just weird. And I kind of want to take Pittsburgh, so I'm going to do that. I'm taking Pitt too. Okay, we're we need we need to get some division in the ranks here. Uh, right. I don't think it's going to come with this next one though. This is the 4 p.m. Looks like it'll be on your RSN. Uh, Abilene Christian visits Charlottesville and Virginia. 
please tell me you're picking the ACC team here. I'm picking Virginia. <laughs> Good. Uh, all right, the 7.30, I think this one is also on your RSN, uh, number 21, Liberty at NC State. Um, ooh. Ooh, picking Liberty's dirty. Give me Liberty, though. Give me Liberty. I need the chaos in my life. All right, I'm taking NC State for just, you know, to defend the ACC's honor here. Uh, Mr. Grant, have you anything else to discuss on this fine evening? Ah, they heard me talk about swimming for like 20 minutes. I think uh, I think we can let them all go. <laughs> all right. They are, yeah, they, y'all heard us talk about a lot of non-rev tonight. So we'll, we'll, we'll let you off the hook early. Um, yeah, stay safe. Have a good one.